Hello, everybody. This is That's Not Mindful. I'm Jessica. And I'm Diana. And this is Meditations for People Who Hate Meditating. We are here today with Barbara Schwartz, the CEO of AccuLife, to talk with us about an article that we recently spoke about on our last podcast, The 12 Tips for Mindful Eating During the Holidays. Uh, we, thought, we thought it would be a good idea and a mindful idea to bring on a real expert, right? Yeah, so if you listened to us last week, you'll remember that we really did not uh, think very highly of a lot of the things in this article. And we're hoping that uh, Barbara can give us some um, actual helpful and mindful tips. But before we do that, Barbara, tell us a little bit about AccuLife and what you do. Well, hi, everybody. It's nice to see you or hear you. Um, it. AccuLife is an all-natural weight loss and lifestyle program. We use acupressure, uh, balanced nutrition with intermittent fasting, without ketosis to empower our clients to have fast, healthy fat loss that is long-term maintainable. And our long-term maintenance plan is all about you. So it's custom tailored to the person. So realistically, you can lose the weight and keep it off for years to come with a healthy lifestyle that's all about you. Um, and, you know, the ladies had shared this article with me and I felt very much the way that they did. There's some interesting things in here, but there was a lot that I did also not agree with. And I thought it would be great today to come and share with all of you some actual tips that could make a difference for you during the holiday season. So let's start with the one um, I think all week long Diana has been saying to me, um, I'm hungry and I'm going to eat and I'm not going to breathe before I eat. So ha. <laughs> but we'll start. <laughs> but we'll start with well, that. Actually, actually, what I said was, um, I took a deep breath before this meal, and I have to tell you, like, I did not eat mindfully at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like I predicted, taking one deep breath at the beginning of a meal does not magically make your meal mindful. Oh, <laughs> only magic could happen. Not even if you're eating uh, the magic grits from my cousin Vinny. Right. <laughs> well, so recognizing the signs of hunger. This is a this is a big one, right? This for is you, a big one. So for me, I was reading this and I said it's really interesting because these are definitely signs that people experience. It says, do you feel tired, sluggish, nauseous, or faint? Is your stomach growling? Well, here's the thing. Those are actually all descriptions of mild dehydration not hunger. And here's the key. Our brain can't really differentiate between thirst and hunger. And here's why. So there's something called the rule of three. We can live for approximately three weeks without food. We can live for approximately three days without water. So I joke that our brain is called the gray matter, but when it comes down to it, our brain lives in very black and white. So if you're starting to feel tired, sluggish, nauseous, or faint, as this article points out, you're about half a day into mild dehydration. If your body can only live for around three days without water, your brain is literally going, oh my goodness, I've got two and a half days before I die. Oh my God. And it's very black and white. So it's having a panic attack. Your brain is having a panic attack that you could die if it doesn't fix this problem. So what your body is really telling you is and hydration is not only about water, 
It's about some key minerals that we hear a lot about these days, which are called electrolytes. These are sodium, calcium, potassium, and magnesium in technically electrified ionized form that allow your cells to absorb fluid. So I'll have a lot of people who say to me, but I'm drinking tons of water. If your minerals are low, no matter how much water you drink, your cells are not absorbing that water and all you're doing is flushing out, which is also an important function, right? We need to urinate, we need to get the toxins out of our body, but the water also needs to go into our cells for proper hydration. Now, one of the things that happens is if your brain is subtly telling you, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, and it's not getting what it needs, and now it's having a panic attack and it screams, hungry, because your body can extract the nutrients it's looking for out of the food. That's all I need is my body to yell at me all the time. (laughs) Right? But if you think about it, if your body is really looking for water and minerals, those are essentially zero calorie. But when you go to eat to pacify these signals that your brain is sending, then you're actually overeating. And it is one of the mechanisms for actually gaining weight versus maintaining or losing weight. So in this case, Um, all of these signs are things that you should go get some water, get some electrolytes. And if you're actually feeling these symptoms, you might need a quicker fix. It's a great time to get a hard boiled egg with some salt. And if you think about it, eggs are a source of life. They contain almost all the nutrients we need. If you put a little salt on it, that will close the gap. So a hard boiled egg, maybe some scrambled eggs, that'll close the gap, but it's not an excessive amount of calories and it's not going to shoot you in the foot for getting dehydrated. But use that as a sign, you need to go get the water and most probably you need some kind of electrolyte supplement. I just keep thinking of the scene from the Barbie movie when she goes, I'm totally not thinking about death anymore. You know, like (laughs) I eat something like (laughs) all of a sudden my brain will be like, oh, you're okay. But I'm thinking the other important thing is then what is a sign of hunger? Um, Hunger is a very subtle nudge towards nutrition. So if, you, if you've ever been busy, most of us have been really busy and in the middle of being busy, all of a sudden we'll be like, huh, I could really go for something. And the next thing you're thinking about is I could really go for a salad. I could really go for some soup. I could really go for a piece of chicken. It's always something of nutrition. When you are quote unquote starving, famished, ravenous, you're going to go for the chips, for the pretzels, for anything you can get your hands on. That's right. Again, it's a great way to differentiate between thirst and hunger. Hunger is never urgent. Anything urgent is mild dehydration. If it's not urgent, it's a nudge towards nutrition. That's what truly hunger is. It's funny though, because like my son now will sort of text me at three o'clock after school gets out and be like, mom, what's for dinner? Um, it's, it's almost like that's the sign that he's hungry. Right. But so I think what you're saying is that that's kind of what our brain does. It tells us that we're hungry. Um, and it tells us in different ways that we're thirsty. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So Diana, which one? Mindful, it would be very mindful to learn to differentiate those things. Right. Yes. Feel them. Right. So you know to go for the right things. Diana, which, yeah. one, which one of these annoyed you the most? 
Oh, the breathe deeply. (laughs) (laughs) You know that because (laughs) that was the one about the the one breath at the beginning of the meal that's supposed to accomplish like all these other mindful tasks, right? Um, So uh, Barbara, what were your thoughts on that one? Well, it's interesting. We actually do teach Qigong breathing as part of our program and for grounding and oxygenation, et cetera. Um, it's a way to take control, but when we're doing it, we do actually have you take four breaths and focusing in in a very specific mindful type of breathing, um, to help you take control. Um, I think this is kind of a mini version of maybe trying to do that, but I don't think it would accomplish very much. It, it, anything having to do with breathing means you do have to use some thought and kind of sit down and say, I'm important enough to stop for a moment and and do something mindful. I don't think in the context of, again, the overall article is about tips for mindful eating throughout the holidays. I don't think that achieves what it is that they're looking to do. But breathing exercises and meditation of any form do give you a sense of control. I don't think one breath before anything um, really is going to give you a tool to achieve anything. Right. And I feel that, um, you know, like, yes, if you're doing an exercise where you're taking four breaths with purpose, and I think even four breaths as opposed to one breath um, really like helps you achieve any goal better than just one breath would do. Um, but also, um, you know, when you're breathing and you you have a purpose, like, you know, you, you're, you're setting an intention, you're moving towards a goal, like these are working breaths. These aren't just like random breaths. These aren't exactly. even calm down breaths, right? But um, I do feel that once you put yourself in a mindful headset, um, that you tend to go about your business more mindfully, even if you're not conscious about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, for me, I think it's, they're looking to give a simple tip. Most of their things are about more information or things that would take long-term behavioral change. And the reality is coming up in the holiday season, it takes 21 days of intentional repeated behavior to begin to form a habit and let it supersede old habits and behaviors. And realistically, they haven't laid out steps to truly achieve those things. And, you know, so what interested me in even joining you ladies today was kind of looking at this and saying, how can we actually make a difference and help people have some tools for mindful eating and success through the holidays? So as we say, look, it is a time of indulgence. But I like to say indulgence is good for the soul in moderation. Overindulgence needs to be over. Right. Well, this does say like indulging outside the holidays. I think I disagreed with that, but now I hated that one too. Yeah. You're kind of putting it into a different context that maybe it has some sort of um, purpose. Um, I just, I guess what I said was like, okay, I love Reese's peanut butter cups to no end, but I don't really, I don't eat them outside of Halloween. So when Halloween comes, um, I have two or three, you know, (laughs) or, you know, what I can get my hands on, but generally I do save that for, you know, that time, um, time of whatever that day or whatever it is. Um, so I, I, I didn't really agree with that, but I think like, cause you don't want to eat Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, every week just because 
you can't. Well, actually, I kind of disagree with, well, not that I disagree with you. I just kind of take a different approach to it. And maybe that's what the article might've been getting at, but I don't know. But you, so Jessica, you see the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup as something that's a special food. It's a holiday food. You eat it Halloween time and then you don't Correct. have it the rest of the year. Um, whereas I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Like I, you know, I love that at Halloween, they're shaped like pumpkins and at Christmas, they're shaped like trees and yep. Easter, they're shaped like <laughs> eggs, you know, like- I love it. And like, I like every so often I'll say, you know what, I really do want to have a Reese's peanut butter cup right now. But you know, I don't have 20 Reese's peanut butter cups. I don't like sit down to like a huge dessert of Reese's peanut butter cups. Like <laughs> I have, I have one and then I move on because you know, that that's my treat for that day, you know? Um, and I was going to add to that because ironically, last night we were picking up the Halloween candy. My daughter and I got a bag. Oh, I know. I have the to story do that. <laughs> But we bought the miniatures, right? And so here's the difference. And one of the things that I often like to teach my clients, especially if they're taking a day off for an event, or as we get into their phase two and phase three, is we're getting, you know, they've lost their weight and we're getting into now maintenance. And again, part of it is mindful eating. Um, one of the really important things that people forget is our taste buds are on our tongue. So when we are wolfing things down and we are not savoring them in our mouth, we're not actually tasting them. And I'm always fascinated when somebody says they're a foodie, yet they wolf down food. You're not a foodie if you're not stopping to taste. You know, picture um, a wine connoisseur, right? They take a little sip, they swish it around their mouth, they close their eyes, they experience fully what's in their mouth and often they spit it out right so speaking of Reese's peanut butter cups just last night we were sitting there and, and we opened the bag and my I took a Reese's peanut butter cup and it was those old-fashioned little ones right in the yeah. you, know, you pull off the paper but those little crowns and I I took one out I put it in my mouth and I closed my eyes and it was right before I, I didn't start driving. I said, I'm going to enjoy it. And my daughter's like, are we going? And I said, in a minute. And I sat and it sat in my mouth and I let it dissolve. And I truly enjoyed the flavor. And I didn't pay attention to how much time, but it probably took a solid minute or two to dissolve in my mouth. But I enjoyed every second of the flavor. And my daughter said, would you like another one? And I said, no, I got everything I needed from that one. Ah, because that's so cool. I took my time <laughs> and I closed my eyes and I, it was mindful eating of a Reese's peanut butter cup. And that's actually a really great way to bring yeah. mindfulness into your day when you don't otherwise have time to stop and, and, and do those kinds of exercises. Yeah. And well, it, I can tell yeah. you, I enjoyed every second, but one Reese's peanut butter cup and even the amount of sugar in it isn't going to be detrimental unless I'm allergic to peanuts, right? It, oh it's not going to kill my weight maintenance. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to kill my blood sugar. I'm not diabetic. So there, there's nothing unhealthy if, if one Reese's peanut butter cup with all other things being equal. So again, be mindful if you're diabetic, be mindful if you're allergic to peanuts, but just using it as an example, look, as a healthy person at a healthy weight, one Reese's peanut butter cup isn't going to kill my diet or my weight maintenance or my health, but seven of them could. So did I, I didn't need self-control. What I needed was that mindful connection to the taste 
because my body nutritionally does not need a Reese's peanut butter cup. So I'm eating it. It's desire. It's that inner child in me that wants the treat. So the adult self, I know that there are consequences to eating many of them. So how can I have both? How can I make my inner child happy, be mindful, connect to the food and really enjoy it without guilt? Right. And I feel like if you if you take that one and you really experience it for a full minute or however long it took you to experience it, it's kind of the same It's like, you know, like you can take that minute and pop, you know, seven of them in your mouth because you love them and you're wolfing them down. And you want I think that like when you do that, when you just tend to keep putting them in your mouth is because you want to keep experiencing it because the right. first bite brought you so much joy. So I feel that, um, you know, so. Uh, so to your mind, it's the same, right? It's the same because it's the same amount of time that you have that Reese's in your mouth, um, whether, it, but it's this time it's just one as, you know, because you made it last as opposed to seven that you had to eat the same amount of time. I remember, yeah. I keep thinking of like that meme that I've seen around a lot that when you go on, um, when you go on a road trip, you should always um, pack snacks like you're a nine-year-old in the supermarket you know, and it, it is so true. There is a truth to that. It's like when I travel, like we have um, a, a friend of mine, you know, your, your travel snack, right? Mine's always like, I go to the airport, I get a Coke and I get combos, right? Um, when would I ever get that at home? Um, I don't know that I'm enjoying it. I just know it's part of the experience. Um, so what does that have to do with eating? And it's, somehow I feel like that fits in somewhere. Well, from my perspective, ritual. you know, we have, well, part of it's ritual. ritual. Part of it is we all have an inner child and yeah. we have our adult self. And our inner child, look, it's about five years old. It doesn't understand consequences. I think mine's a little bit younger than five. <laughs> I'll say it's between three and five. But you know, the, the child self doesn't understand consequences. It just wants joy, laughter, and fun. So, you know, often these treats, like you said, it's partly habit, but it, it brings you a sense of joy and completeness as part of the trip. So it's finding a balance between what pacifies the inner child, what brings us joy is my father's a retired psychologist. He's one of the founders of AccuLife. And he always says, you know, I defy you to see an adult having true fun without acting like a child. So our, our, our sense of joy. That's like our motto, our company motto. Right, so, right. Our sense of joy comes from our inner child. So it's finding a way to parent that inner child, but not chasing them away. So it is stepping up and self-parenting in a way. So it's finding balance. So even the snacks, like you're talking about, one of the things that I recommend to people is it's not avoiding the things that you love. It's finding a way to create portion control so that the reality is, especially now in these this day and age, we're always on the run. We're multitasking. We're, you know, running. If we're parents, we're running our kids to this carpool, that sport, that, you know, after school activity, getting to here. Most of us are working parents. If we're at other parts of our life, I don't know anybody who's not running around multitasking. And so we find that people are always grabbing food to go. And that once you're on the run and it's food to go, again, we're back into the mindless eating. And again, our taste buds are on our tongue. 
And our satisfaction comes from our sense of taste and our brain's sense of getting something that it wants. So there's this really important extra component, which is your stomach, right? Which actually has the senses to tell you, I've had enough, you should be stopping. But if we're not mindful and we're not connecting to our food, if our taste buds aren't tasting the food and therefore our brain is not getting the signal of satisfaction, our stomach, I always like to say it's a, it, it's a three-way friendship, our stomach, our taste buds, and our brain. And so the stomach is shouting to the friends, well, we've had enough. And the taste buds and the brain are saying to our friend, the stomach, we didn't know what you're talking about. We didn't eat yet. <laughs> and so there's this constant conflict between the taste buds, the brain, and the stomach because they're not communicating on the same page. And that's where the mindfulness is so important is our stomach. To, and by the way, when we're wolfing down food, it takes 20 minutes for the senses and sensors in the stomach, the, the receptors to be able to send a signal to the brain that says, Ooh, we're eating and, and we can feel that we're getting full. So when we're eating very quickly, the mechanisms to tell us we're full aren't there. So one of the things that I say, because we are all on the run is even when you get home from the supermarket, when it comes to the snacks, those big bags, like I love nuts and I could stick my hand endlessly into the nut bag and absentmindedly eat nuts, know where your pain points are, know where your weaknesses are. I invest in those little snack bags, um, the Ziploc snack size bags. And mm -hmm. when I bring those foods home, I as part of unpacking groceries, I automatically pack into those little snack bags. And that's how they go grab into the that. cabinet. That's, good. that's, good that's idea. how we go into the car. That's how we go onto the airplane. That's how we travel. That's how even in the house, if I'm going to sit down to a snack later in the day, or I might be watching TV, I grab the little snack bag. If I happen to mindlessly eat, I'm human too. So I may teach it, but I'm a human. I, I make mistakes. I'm not infallible. And so having those little snack bags, should you happen to mindlessly eat, there's a bottom of the bag that's reasonable because you've already set it out while you're being mindful. <laughs> it may not be during eating, but you're being mindful by laying out portion control so that you're putting in stop gaps for those times that you're not mindful. I love that, so, especially during the holidays. Yeah, Barbara, what would you say to people? So for people like me, right, because I'm very, very busy and I try to schedule my day in a way that like, you know, this is the time that I have to eat for breakfast and this is the time that I have to eat for lunch. But what do you do when like it's your designated eating time, but you're not hungry at that time? But you know that, you know, if you don't eat, then you're going to be starving in like an hour. Well, that's where, honestly, if you're not hungry, don't eat but make sure you have plenty of water because again, we can live without food for three weeks. We cannot live without water. And what's going to happen is you're going to get dehydrated because again, our body does extract fluid and minerals from the foods that we eat. So if your body is telling you, I'm not hungry at the designated time, the reality is your body is telling you, I don't need the nutrition, but it does need the hydration. So the key is have the water, maybe water with an electrolyte supplement. If you're not a big water drinker, you know, get one of these natural water flavorings or some bubbly water. Um, find the thing that you connect to that helps you drink the water. Um, the minimum 
we need to drink is 64 ounces a day. But for most people, that's not even adequate. For most people, take your body weight, divide by two. And that's usually the number of ounces. So again, if you're under a certain weight, if you're shorter or under a certain weight, the minimum is 64. But you know, let's say you weigh 150 pounds, your minimum water should be 75 ounces, oh, right? Wow. 150 divided by two. Now it should never be more than a gallon. If you happen to be, you know, a 300 pound person, you're not drinking 150 ounces of water. The high end is still a gallon, 128 ounces, but also whatever your minimum water is come the summer months, our natural perspiration, our perspiration is our natural cooling system. So again, when we perspire, we're losing some of our water. So in the warmer months, or if you exercise a lot, if you're using steam rooms or saunas and things that make you perspire, you've got to increase that water intake by anywhere from 10 to 20 ounces per day. Which is so funny. in the summer months, you should be drinking more. So it, 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 it's really the meal replacement becomes to make sure that you're having extra fluid and definitely that's when, if you're not having a meal, and again, it may be that your body has the nutrients it needs from the previous meals. Maybe it didn't finish digesting all the food, or again, maybe overate a little and it has the nutrients it needs. If you're not hungry, your body doesn't need the nutrients. So it, it's telling you that, but it always needs the hydration. And I know that um, we talked a little bit about this offline. I wanted to get to it. Um, talked about tips during the holidays about what we do when we go to parties. And I think that sort of fits into number five and six on this, which is stick to a schedule and pack your to-go plate. Um, that's more when you're on the run, but when you're at a party, um, what is the most mindful ways to stick to this way of, of thinking about food? Well, there's a couple of different things because there's different scenarios. So one of the biggest things at parties is often to be buffet style. And so again, it's very easy to mindlessly eat food um, in that kind of setting. So one of the tips that we give our clients is if you're going to a buffet, typically it's open, right? Which means you can go back as many times as you want. So what we say is take a plate. Now also we're very visual. If there's a big plate and a small plate, take the small plate because a big plate with only a little amount of food on it, your brain says that's not enough. If you have a big, a small plate, the same amount of food looks like more food. So visually we do, there are tricks to how your brain sees things. But one of the tricks that we say at a buffet is, again, if you could go up as much as you want, there's no limit, right? So go up and take half of what you think you're going to want. So if you see these three or five or whatever dishes, take half of the amount that you think you want. Enjoy it. Then feel free to go back because you only took half of your food. Go back. But again, now take half again of what you think you want because you can go back for thirds. People are not watching you. It's okay. You're at a party. Nobody's paying attention to what's on your plate. So <laughs> are you sure just, about that? I feel like people are always judging my plate. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's you judging yourself. Yes, so, that's true. <laughs> you know, is, so then go and take half. And anytime you go back, if you keep taking half, technically from a math perspective, you never actually took a full portion. So, and what you'll find is after a certain number of trips with half, you're actually going to find you're full and you don't want more. 
And it's one of the ways that if you're mindlessly eating, because it is a social event, um, without having to change behavior, you're just, the real behavior is just, oh, well, let me just take half of what I wanted. And I have permission to go back as many times as I want. So I'm only going to take half. So that really does help you slow it down because each time you have to go back, it's forcing mindfulness. Oh, my plate is empty. I may have eaten it without realizing it, but now mindfully, I have to go back to get more and it reconnects you to the fact that you're eating and it limits the amount of mindless eating that might occur. I think it's funny though, when you go to, and I, you know, throw out Jewish events specifically, you know, people will say to you, oh, is that all you're eating? You know, or it sounds like the Jewish mothers say that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know I was just at a thing where it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a buffet where I was going to share something with my daughter and my daughter just despite me decided to eat it all herself. Um, but then the entire time everybody was like, well, why didn't you order something? Why didn't you order something? And it was really, I was just trying to, it wasn't trying to save money. I was trying to be thoughtful about what I ate. And my mom just sort of looked at me and she's like, that's what you get for not ordering a meal. Because like everybody was asking me, why didn't you order? And something? you know what the answer and is? Offering wow. me their food. And, and so the answer is, wow, I am so touched that you are so caring about what I'm eating. <laughs> Thank you so I don't much. Think I, I, didn't realize that. That. I didn't realize you cared about me so much. I am so touched. I don't think I could get away with that, my family, but thanks. <laughs> Barbara, so my issue with a buffet is that there's so much there and it all looks so delicious. So like, what if I take, you know, half the vegetables I wanted, half the pasta I wanted, half the bread I wanted, half the meat I wanted, half, you know, like just but the, so I can have, like, there's so much I want that even half feels like a lot. And then I can go back and get like more of all of that stuff. Well, first uh, of all, it has to fit on your plate, right? So we've all been there where small we realize that we don't have, <laughs> and again, just took the smaller plate. But then I'd say, ultimately, if you see it, and I will say that scenario does happen. So now there's 20 things and I want a little bit of everything, then put enough on your plate for one to two bites of each thing. And then of the one to two bites of each thing, pick the two things you liked best. And that's what you go back for. Because you had the opportunity to taste all of the things you wanted. And I'll tell you, I've, I've had that situation. I'll make you laugh because um Somebody in uh, our AccuLife family um, is related to Buddy, the cake boss. Oh, yeah. And so he actually made my 40th birthday cake. Okay. Oh, cool. And um, so I was at a family event of their family. And so the entire dessert table was, was catered by Buddy and his team. And so here we've got every dessert under the sun is by the cake boss. And you're like, oh, my next question is that uh, thinking apply for dessert too. Exactly. So I will tell you so that, you know, so your eyes are like, oh my gosh, they're bugging out of your head. So, you know, I, with my family, we, we, we picked a bunch of things we wanted to taste. And I literally, I took a forkful of this. I took a forkful of that. And again, everything was good for me. A lot of it was too sweet. Um, and I'm watching everybody wolf down crazy amounts of dessert. I tasted one forkful of anything I wanted. And I, then I picked one thing and I actually wound up only having like half of it because by that time I tasted so many different things. But again, one forkful, kind of like I did with the Reese's peanut butter cup, close my eyes, taste it again. Your taste buds are on your tongue. 
So if you are not engaged with your mouth, it should not be crossing your lips, especially when it comes to dessert. Because think about it, if you're eating the piece of chicken, you wanna be mindful and you wanna be connected to it. But if you happen to eat it mindlessly, you're getting the nutrition that you need. And it's not ideal, but we're all human. And do we eat mindlessly? Very often, it, it's a fact. And do we wanna improve on that behavior? Absolutely. But we have to be realistic. Change takes time and we're human, which means we're never gonna be perfect. So we wanna keep moving in the direction of better. But if I'm eating a piece of chicken and I'm eating my vegetables and some of it's mindless, I'm getting nutrition and my body needs that. So I have to be careful because when I'm full, my mouth and my brain may say, hey, again, friend's stomach, what are you talking about? I didn't eat yet. But my body got nutrition. When it comes to dessert or it comes to eating beyond what your stomach says is enough. And by the way, have you ever noticed you can eat a lot of salad? But you could be partway through a steak and your stomach is like, whoop, you're done. You've had enough. Your body knows the dense, the amount of nutrition that is in the different foods you're eating. And it will send you the signal of, and again, they're satisfied, full, and stuffed. Satisfied means you've had, we got the nutrients we need. You can stop. Full means we've gone a little past that. Stuff like the turkey you know, we've overeaten and we're, we're in a place of weight gain if we're hitting stuffed, right? Because now we're going to store the excess. So our goal is always to end somewhere between satisfied and full. And so what I always say is number one, if your stomachs hit satisfied, your mouth and your brain are going, whoa, friend, but I wasn't ready to be finished. So allow yourself two to three bites of anything you want, but eat them mindfully Again, your taste buds are on your tongue. If you are not engaged with those taste buds, it is completely wasted. So when it comes to dessert, is it the same rule? No, absolutely not. There is no reason for dessert to pass your lips if you are not mindfully eating it, because I promise your body doesn't need the sugar or the flour or whatever's in that dessert. Your body doesn't need it. The only reason you're eating it is for personal satisfaction, and that's your mouth and your brain. So you better be fully engaged with every piece of dessert that passes your lips. But I, I love promise you, you two or three bites of anything that you truly get to taste and savor will give you more satisfaction. Like two or three bites of that favorite pie of yours will give you more satisfaction if you close your eyes and engage than two or three slices that have been wolfed down. And like you so said, it is a uh, me, me, me. So I'll give you the perfect <laughs> example. <laughs> Again, cut off left and right here. So this weekend I was at a family party. And usually when we have, you know, family events, they're usually dairy free. But this particular one was dairy and which meant that the desserts could have real butter in them. Mm -hmm. And so I picked up a brownie and I was like talking and I took a bite into the brownie and I was like, oh my God, like it was such, like, a, like I forgot how good brownies could actually be when you put butter in them. And I was just like, okay, like I, I didn't actually say. Don't talk to me. And I'm right? like, stop talking to me. Like I just want, oh, like I, I just, this. like you said with the Reese's, I just wanted to feel it in my mouth and just exactly. like you know because like I never get brownies with dairy in them. Like it was so good. Right, but see, what was your instinct? Don't talk to me. I have to savor this right now, and that's exactly. the thing. 
Like I, I used to go years ago, there was a restaurant called the lanes that was very well known on the Upper East side. And they had this amazing Oreo cheesecake. And I am not a cheesecake person, but the Oreo cheesecake was to die for. And they wouldn't even ask me. They knew they would just bring it out to me. And I would, oh, oh my gosh, I wolfed this down and, you know, I knew the staff there, they would just keep bringing it to me. And then I did AccuLife where I lost weight. I got control over my eating. I got connected to food. And, and by the way, when I did AccuLife, I was a client in a whole different career. I actually quit my job to come do this and go back to school so that I could pay it forward to others because it made such a positive change in my own life. And so now we were, you know, I wasn't going to give up my beloved Oreo cheesecake. It was like the only place I'd ever had it that I liked cheesecake. But the difference was I would order some berries for dessert and I would order a piece of cheesecake to share with my friends. And I joked, it was literally like, okay, I'm about to eat the cheesecake and I'm only having like two bites, talk to the hand. And mm -hmm. I would literally take a bite, close my eyes. And what I will never forget, one of my girlfriends was, she's engaged and her, her fiance looks at me and goes, could you do that again? It was like a Harry met Sally moment, me with the cheesecake. <laughs> Look at me like that. He's like, no, seriously, could you do that again? <laughs> that's how much enjoyment. But I can tell you, I enjoyed those two bites of cheesecake at a whole other level when my eyes are closed and I'm savoring it. I never wanted more than the two. It gave me so much satisfaction. Yet I know I was eating two whole pieces before. I never enjoyed it as much as those two bites. That's awesome. I want I to enjoy my that. food like that. <laughs> so when, uh, so one of my favorite desserts in the in the world is coffee ice cream with Oreos crumbled up, ah. <laughs> and it's so good. And I eat it with a with a baby spoon because there it, you go, you know, because it's like I can take more ah. bites. Um, and when I eat that, I really do like, I just, you know, I, I take a bite, I close my eyes. I just love everything. I love the texture about it. I love the taste of it. I love everything about it. And then when it's gone, I'm sad. So <laughs> Mine is so I could always eat more. So I don't get how, you know, cause I eat that mindfully, but well, I, I won't say that I can't eat more, more but realize <laughs> that your taste buds aren't going to have the same level of connection after the first few bites, your taste buds actually go down in volume. So you're not getting the same satisfaction because your taste buds are not as engaged. Well, it's like any kind of, you know, you compared it to Harry Met Sally. It's like a, you know, an orgasmic moment, right? Doesn't last forever. Right. In more ways than one. <laughs> right. And, and again, do you want that to last longer? Of course you do. And that's why right. you go back for more another well, time. That's why it's but so in the moment. Mindfulness helps with the orgasms. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. But, that's you know, definitely that, another podcast. <laughs> and that's right. But I will say, like going on to the taste buds, and we were talking about this right before we started recording, is, and this is something really important that you don't have to have behavioral change and all this work ahead, ahead, ahead that's setting you up to fail before the holiday season. But in terms of connection and understanding those taste buds is, you know, there's that etiquette that says, please don't talk with your mouth full. It's not polite, right? Nobody wants to see what's in your mouth. 
But really important to understand, and this is in any social setting. So it's not just the holidays, it's sitting at your dinner table, but it's even more so with the holidays because you're, nobody's at a party by themselves. So it always means you're in social situations where you're talking, but this works. It's an important fact, again, be it at the family table, be it, you know, a business dinner or business lunch, if you're sitting with your kids or again at that holiday party is your taste buds are on your tongue. And as we know, if you cut out a tongue, you're a mute, right? So your tongue is an important muscle that is used in forming words. So when you are talking, your taste buds are turned down to about 10%. The brain is using the tongue as a muscle. So your taste buds are not really engaged when you're talking. So if you were talking and eating at the same time, not only is it poor etiquette, right? Don't talk with your mouth full, but you're not actually tasting your food. And so now we get back into that problem of you've reached satisfied, your stomach is sending signals to your brain, whoa, slow down and stop. And your tongue is saying to your brain, no, 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 that friend doesn't know what they're talking about. I didn't eat yet. So what I say to people is when you're engaged in conversation, like right now, I'm telling you a story about what's happened in my day, right? Or I'm catching up with people at a party I haven't seen in a long time. When you were talking, utensils down, knife and fork down, or put down the glass of wine or whatever you're drinking. When you are controlling conversation, put the knife and fork down and have a glass of water or sparkling water in your hand. If anything is absentmindedly going to your mouth, it is hydrating and zero calorie. When other people are talking, now is your time to pick up that knife and fork. Take a bite. But also, do you ever notice how people keep holding their utensils and so the next bite is at their mouth before they finish chewing and swallowing? Once you take a bite of food, put down those utensils, put down the knife and fork, glass of water in your hand while you're chewing. So again, if anything absentmindedly is moving to your mouth, it's zero calorie, it's hydrating. And if you're chewing, it's going to make you mindful because you've just diluted what's in your mouth because absentmindedly you took a sip of water and it's going to reconnect you to the food you're chewing. So really simple without major, oh, I need to form a new habit or I need to, to be mindful here and overthinking and you can drive yourself crazy really simple step that you can take in any situation where there's conversation is when you're talking, water in your hand, in between bites, water in your hand. So anything absent-minded going to your mouth, zero calorie and hydrating, and you just took back control. Awesome. Barbara, I'm, so curious. Cool. I, I'm just curious, Barbara, can you, um, apply the same principles? Like, can you eat mindfully while you're actively listening to somebody else? Yes. I mean, you can. Is it the same as being in an isolated situation or when you can close your eyes like we were talking about with dessert? It's not the same level, but realistically, we're not going to be in an environment that's a perfect situation where we're sitting by ourselves without a TV, without a newspaper, without our phone, whatever, and it's just us and the food. That is going to be rare. So the key is finding that balance. And again, where the mindfulness comes in, 
is you're listening. Now, when you're listening to an intense story, chances are you shouldn't be eating during that moment. But unless they're really telling you about something earth shattering, you can, you know, use your knife and fork, cut a bite, put it in your mouth, but still put the knife and fork down. You're chewing, you're savoring, but you're using your ears and you might go, uh-huh, but with your mouth full, if you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like I understand or I agree or I disagree, we can use, make those sounds without really disengaging our taste buds. Um, are they at a hundred percent? No, but you're going to be at probably the 80% of connection to your taste buds when you're listening as compared to 10% when you're talking. And I feel like that would actually, um, let the other person know that you're like genuinely interested in what they're saying and not just like, you know, sitting through their talk, right? Like Correct. You're, you're showing them, you're putting down your utensils. You're saying, yeah, like, you know, tell me more. It's, you know, body language, right? Like it's showing right. them interested. It, it's, similar, it's similar to um how they say when you go out and you bring out your phone and you put it on the table. Um, We all know that, you know, we have to, whether our kids are home or whatever, but if you're, if it's close to you, then you're kind of saying to that person, I'm not totally here for you. So I yep. feel like with that's why I try to, I try to turn the phone over. Yes, um, exactly. Yep. 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 Um, although what I really want to do is get out a bucket and collect everybody's phone. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, they do that at school. Right. I mean, they put them in the things. Right. But if you think about it, that is mindful listening. So you kind of get a little bit of both mindful listening as well as mindful eating. Barbara, tell us really quick, um, how in AccuLife, how do the um, the beads work into the, um, the equation? Because I know that I've been doing this for the past couple of weeks. I actually forgot to put my beads on this week, but I will. Um, but I think I told you that my first week, um, I was teasing you that the weight was just lifting off. Um, <laughs> But there, but there's something actually mindful about the beads that now that I don't have them on and I haven't had it on for a week because I just, um, you know, I didn't get to, to it, um, that I definitely feel missing. I'm just not sure what it is, but there's something mindful to that. Well, the acupressure that we are doing as part of AccuLife is um, the acupressure beads when you use them and you're massaging them every two hours while you're on the plan being a weight loss plan or doing a detox plan. Um, it is talking to the gland in your brain called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is your gland that tells you whether or not you're hungry. It's your satiation gland. So when you're stimulating that on a regular basis, you're reconnecting your brain's ability to talk to your stomach and your receptor cells. And so you're very aware and much more aware of when your stomach is feeling satisfied versus actually the food hasn't reached that level of um, what you need. So um, there are several functions of it for the use of how we use it. But the main thing that you're experiencing is the fact that it is directly talking to the gland that's telling you when you're satiated. So it's, not an appetite suppressant, but you're much more aware of when you're hungry and when you're not. And really, as we were talking about more often than not, what you are is thirsty. So it gives you a better awareness of thirst versus hunger and satiation versus full. 
And so it's retraining your brain to understand that, which really is part of the mechanism for maintenance, right? Is if your brain and your stomach are talking as better friends than they had been, um, you're just going to have that much more level of understanding of when to stop so that you're not overeating, which makes portion control and maintenance much simpler. Um, the other purpose for it with ours is the only way to lose weight is to reduce calories. And normally that would bring on physiologic starvation mode. So yes, you'll burn body fat, but you'll burn muscle and connective tissue. And that's often when you'll see somebody who's lost a lot of weight and they look good, but they have a gaunt face. Um, the acupressure combined with the chemistry of the diet and the intermittent fasting, which we use very specific hours, it prevents the brain from understanding that we took calories away. So you go into fat burning mode and your body is um, getting the energy that you need from your fat cells as compared to excess food. So you have food for nutrition and you're getting your energy from the sugars in your fat cells. And the acupressure allows us to do that without ketosis. So it's not a keto based diet, but it is a fat burning diet in a natural way. Right. I mean, I know I definitely noticed, you know, you don't notice necessarily weight loss, but you notice um, inches, right? Like I noticed right. that my clothes were fitting better, that kind of thing. Um, not focused so much on the number because there's right. so many factors that go into that number, but. Right. Well, we yeah. are a fat burning plan and fat is the least dense um Thing in your body. So when you're only burning fat, you're losing inches, but water is dense, bones are dense, right? Your blood is water-based, your cells, so the, your muscles are dense. So everything that is very weighty um, is, is staying in your body intact and we're just burning the body fat. So proportionately speaking, you lose more inches than pounds while on the program. So you find that you reshape your body um, into a healthier version of you without cannibalizing anything. The only thing fat does is it stores and it insulates. So we do find, especially in the winter months, you might need that extra sweater or you might need to drink a little more hot tea or hot water to keep warm because you're losing your insulation pretty quickly. Um, but the great part is, you know, I joke that one of the most frustrating things for our clients, they'll be down 15, 20 pounds and like nobody's noticing because they don't have diet face. Um, so people will say to them, did you change your hair? You have some new makeup, something's different. I can't <laughs> tell what it is. And, and those are all signs of healthy weight loss is, is being able to lose weight without the hangy skin, without the turkey neck, without, um, again, the gaunt face. Um, I love when I've worked with clients who've lost over a hundred pounds and they are happily walking in in short sleeve t-shirts or sleeveless. You know, I, I had somebody sitting during their phase two stabilization phase, they were sitting in reception waiting to see me and they were sitting next to somebody who was starting the plan and they're like, and they were sitting in a tank top and shorts and it was uh, summertime. And they told me that the person sitting next to them said, why are you here? You're so thin. And they said, because I just lost 115 pounds. <laughs> and you know, there she is in a tank top and shorts because when you're only touching fat, you're not cannibalizing the body in any way of any functional things. So therefore, um, she couldn't tell that she'd lost 115 pounds. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting moment for us when we reach those things. And for us, you know, it's just as important if somebody needs to lose seven to 10 pounds and doesn't feel comfortable in their own skin versus the people we've worked with who need to lose 150 or 200. Um, 
feeling good in your body is the most important thing. And what I always say is, you know, how do you pick your weight loss goal or your lifestyle body goal? Um, especially for women, but I find men these days too. It's like when you don't weigh what you feel that you should, or your body is bigger than it should, you look in your closet and you go, what can I wear today? Mm. And freedom and weight goal to me or body goal is opening your closet and go, what do I feel like wearing today? Like to me, that's body freedom is when you're in the body you're supposed to be in, you walk into your closet in the morning and go, what do I feel like wearing today? And that's what this is all about for us is helping people get to be their best selves in a healthy manner that is sustainable. So before we let you go, Barbara, I wanted to ask you really quickly. Um, so you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that it really takes 21 days to affect real change um, mm -hmm. with any kind of eating plan. Um, but with all the the tips that you gave us with, with mindfulness and, um, you know, and, and just, uh, just changing the way that you eat and deal with the buffet and deal with social situations. Can we, uh, you know, having not prepped for 21 days before, like, could I go to a party tomorrow and, um, and work in all of these uh, changes? Well, that's the beauty about the tips. And that's why I wanted to share them is it takes 21 days of intentional repeated behavior to form a habit to make a decision that you're going to a party where you know there's a buffet and you say to yourself before you go, I'm just going to take a smaller plate and I'm going to take half or I'm going to take a little bit, one to two bites of each thing. I'm making a decision before I go. I'm not doing it out of habit. So I'm not relying on a habit. I'm making a decision to take action, to put myself in a better position. And what I found about this article is these were behaviors that you almost had to create to be habits for them to be effective. I wanted to provide tips that you could take as actionable items with you to a party if you were going tonight. Right. I love that. Yep. So that's your homework for today. Um, you know, go out, go to a party, go to dinner and uh, use these um, mindfulness tips and apply them to your eating. And as for me, I am going to go mindfully eat a Reese's peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> and if it's okay, last but not least, if you want some more information about AccuLife, our yes. website is youracculife.com. That's Y-O-U-R-A-C-C-U-L-I-F-E.com. So youracculife.com. And you will find we also have a whole bunch of webinars and quick tips, et cetera, that can help you also on this journey of uh, mindful eating. And it's a combination of my father and I that do the the webinars. So you'll also find some aspects from a psychological perspective as Dr. Schwartz shares his wisdom as well. And it's so cool because you can actually do this at home um, as well as in the office, correct? That is correct. Yep. We, uh, we do have an at-home plan. Um, and especially we've been doing at home for almost 20 years. Um, we did take our time during the pandemic to even improve our service. And we created a template that we call the AccuPoint Finder. We received our patent during the um, pandemic. So it actually shows you where the acupressure points are. So there's no guessing if you're putting beads on at home. And we have a proprietary algorithm that does the calculation to tell you where to place the beads specifically in the pattern that's unique to you. So we have a proprietary algorithm and a patent um, that allows us to let you do it safely at home. So we're actually the only people in the world who can offer the program at home. 
It is very cool because there's tutorials right online to use to put them on. Super easy. Um, I know my kids like to help me, uh, <laughs> even though you can totally do it yourself. Yes. <laughs> so say, it is designed. What number, yeah. what number are you this week? <laughs> exactly. So it is one of those things that you can do yourself and mm -hmm. or you can have somebody help. But when I designed the AccuPoint Finder, my daughter at the time was like seven, eight years old, and she was helping me put on acupressure beads. So it was something I wanted to make sure that was simple and empowered people to be able to do this at home. Um, and if people do want to come see me, I work in Paramus. Um, and we do also have a location in Palm Beach Gardens. Those are our two locations. But again, we work with people around the world. So it's not just uh, a local, it's not even just US. We've got people in 26 countries who uh, we've worked with to get healthy. Barbara, thank you so much. This was really fun. I know I learned a lot today, even more than I already knew. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. And if I can ever make a difference for your audience, I appreciate all that you do. And uh, it, it's been a pleasure working with you ladies. If I can ever make a difference, feel free to let me know. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So great to have you.